You're listening to a podcast from Turners Hill Free Church. For more information and resources, visit turnershillfreechurch.org.uk. The photograph that you can see, just about see, uh, over my left shoulder up there, was taken 50 years and one day ago on Christmas Eve 1968. It's entitled Earthrise. And um, there's a wonderful story behind it, um, which I was reading recently. Um, the astronauts, while they were flying there, NASA told them that when they arrived on the moon, they would be doing a, a live broadcast uh, as the, the moon, uh, on Christmas Eve as the, moon, uh, as the Earth appeared over the horizon of the moon. And these astronauts were the first people to see an Earth rise, the, uh, you know, another planet, if you like, appear over the, the surface of another heavenly sphere. Um, and so on their way, uh, they get this announcement, they're going to be at this live broadcast, and they said, well, what do you want us to say? What do you want us to do for this live broadcast? Uh, the, one of the astronauts, a guy called Frank Borman, was asked the question, and the answer came back, do something appropriate. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? And um, this guy, Frank Borman, said, I'll remember it to my dying day because... To me, he says, this is the essence of America. Um, this isn't, the, you know, we're not here to talk about America today, but, you know, he said, this is the essence of America. If my name had been Leonov, they would have been, would have been saying, well, extol the virtues of Lenin and the great communist society and all that baloney. You know, or they would have probably given him a script if he'd have been a Russian cosmonaut. So left on their own, the trio toyed with different ideas. They thought about initially some jokey ideas. They tried to rewrite Jingle Bells, which is... Uh, I'm thinking you're on the flying to the moon and you're trying to rewrite Jingle Bells, but anyway, there we go. <laughs> or, the, or the night before Christmas with kind of new lunar-themed verses. But neither of those options fulfilled what they felt was the appropriateness uh, requirement that they'd been given. So in the end, on that live broadcast, with millions of people tuning in on their radios, this is what they came up with. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. I think that's a good choice. <laughs> Wonderful choice. I just, I love that story. It just struck me as I read it. That within that simple story is the essence of what it means for us to be called children of God. That we get to see and understand the beauty, the magnitude of God's gifts to us. And then he says to us, now, respond appropriately. <laughs> but he doesn't give us a script. He doesn't demand a specific type of response. He gives us freedom as his children. And he gives us the ability to live lives and to speak words and to pray prayers and to praise and worship him, and to love one another in a way that is appropriate to uh, the words that he speaks to us. What it, I just think it's a lovely picture. You know, Luke's account of the birth of Jesus, which Graham just read for us, is very typical. We've just had a few weeks in Luke, and already we're picking up some of his stylistic uh, features. He is focused on contrast and on small things and uh, in the world's eyes insignificant people 
And so you get that in this, in this reading. You have, it starts off with this massive census of the Roman world. And actually on Sunday we were talking about how, uh, Luke, uh, was highlighting these, uh, was drawing parallels with an account in David's life. Actually there's an, there's another reference here because King David, when he was, you know, king of Israel, called a census. And God actually said that's a really sinful thing to do. That's the kind of thing one of the pagan kings would do. And that's not the type of king you should be. And, and God brought punishment to Israel because of that. And, and that's, there's an echo of that in the passage that Graham read for us. That there's this great worldly king, Caesar Augustus, the great August, you know, um, Caesar, who called himself the son of God, a savior, was calling the census not just of Israel, but the whole Roman world. And unbeknownst to him, in this little corner of the world, the true saviour, the true son of God, was being born. And so there's this contrast between this great kingship, this sinful and pagan and pretty much atheistic kingship, and the true kingship of Christ. And then there are all these little details as well, of God appearing in the midst of humility, or even, you might even say, humiliation. You have Joseph and Mary, journeying to Bethlehem together, Mary heavily pregnant, and they're not married yet. So you've got the social shame. You've got the added social shame of when they arrive and where they want to stay. There's no room in the guest room of the house, in what used to be translated as the inn. And so they, they stay in the main room of the house, and there's, it's so crowded, it seems, that they have to lay their newborn baby into an animal trough. The people that come to visit this Newborn king first, the shepherds who would have existed, we, we think, on the margins of society because of the way they had to work and the nature of their work. They weren't considered ceremonially clean, so they couldn't participate fully in the life of uh, the people. And they would have been smelly, wouldn't they? They'd come out from the fields, sleeping out in the open, looking after their sheep, and they come into this already crowded house to see what is going on. Luke's focusing, like he does, again and again on the small things. Now, we can take away from that that Christ has, God has entered into our humiliation. Of course, that is a well-known Christmas message, isn't it? That God enters not just into our small things, but into our humiliation. He comes down to meet us where we are so that we wouldn't, like the uh, shepherds, be utterly terrified at his appearing. We wouldn't want to run away from him. He, he comes with this a wonderful message that he wants to give us salvation. He wants to raise us up as children of God. And he comes into our humiliation, of course, to take upon his shoulders our sin and to give us his life. But there's one other aspect that I want to just leave you with this Christmas, which is, uh, I think, a message that comes through is related to this picture. That Luke wants to highlight those things and the Holy Spirit highlights the small ways, the small details of of uh, Jesus' birth to show us that he is present. We are able to meet him and know him as sons in every single part of life. To be a, a prince or a king, to be royalty or to be privileged or to be rich in some way gives you access to rare experiences. I imagine Caesar Augustus lived in a palace that only a few hundred or so people ever got to walk around. He was probably the only man who could ever call a great census of, of a huge part of the world like that. You think of these astronauts, just 40 people have seen that view for themselves. 
Just 40 people. How privileged they are. But to know God and to know him as, a, as his child, as a son of God, is not just to have rarefied royal experiences. A palace here or an amazing glimpse of beauty there. Or even an encounter with God on a Sunday or just once a week or once a month or once a year. In power or in a way that moves you. It's to know him in every single tiny little part of life. That's the gift that God gives us in Christ. He comes to present us with all things. You know, at the beginning of John's Gospel, John writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were created through him, and nothing that was created was created without him. That Word, the Son, Jesus Christ says one thing in a billion, billion ways. I love you. And so when John says all things were created through him, he's saying, God says through all things, I love you. But also, every time he says that, he invites a response, a relationship. He says to us, now do something appropriate. In every circumstance of life. And the wonderful gift that we have, a gift that begins in this life like a a small source of a river and flows wider and wider and deeper and deeper until it flows into eternity, is that in every moment of life, we get to hear that message, I love you. And we get to hear that invitation, now do something appropriate. And we get to be filled with the Spirit and the very life of Christ so that we can respond and know the fullness of God's life. In the good things. Even in the bad things. You know, Jesus upon the cross cries out in freedom and appropriateness. My God, my God. That cry of desolation and also hope. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's in relationship with the Father. Full of the Spirit. Showing us how to be sons. So, a simple invitation for you this Christmas, is to dwell on that fact. You know, that God wants to fill your whole life with that awareness of his gift. Like as if you could stand upon the moon and see the whole earth. He wants to say to you, every part of your life is a gift from me that says I love you. Every moment of your life is a gift from me that says I love you. Everything that happens to you, good and bad, is a gift that says I love you. I give you my son. I give you my spirit. Now do something appropriate. So think upon it. The shepherds, they told everyone what they saw. And then they went back to their jobs, praising God, full of joy. God invites you to do that this Christmas. And Mary, of course, treasured in her heart. And that's just, I just want to invite you to have that response now and in the coming days and weeks, to think upon the mystery of the Incarnation. No mystery aside from the Trinity himself and the, uh, the death and the resurrection of our Lord deserves more of our mental energy and devotional attention than the Incarnation of the Son of God. And the more you think upon it, the more it will bring life to you. Because it is such a wonderful truth 
that to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Son of God became a man that we might become children of God. Let's pray.